Act Three of Hekira, the Mother-in-Law, by Terence, translated by Henry Thomas Riley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Scene One: Enter Pamphilus and Parmeno. No individual I do believe ever met with more crosses in love than I. Alas, unhappy me, that I have thus been sparing of life. Was it for this I was so very impatient to return home? Oh, how much more preferable had it been for me to pass my life anywhere in the world than to return here and be sensible that I am thus wretched. For all of us know who have met with trouble from any cause that all the time that passes before we come to the knowledge of it is so much pain still as it is you'll the sooner know how to extricate yourself from these misfortunes if you had not returned this breach might have become much wider but now pamphilus i am sure that both will be awed by your presence you will learn the facts remove their enmity restore them to good feeling once again these are but trifles which you have persuaded yourself are so grievous why comfort me is there a person in all the world so wretched as I? Before I took her to wife, I had my heart engaged by other affections. Now, though on this subject I should be silent, it is easy for anyone to know how much I have suffered. Yet I never dared refuse her whom my father forced upon me. With difficulty did I withdraw myself from another, and disengage my affections so firmly rooted there hardly had i fixed them in another quarter when lo a new misfortune has arisen which may tear me from her too then besides i suppose that in this matter i shall find either my mother or my wife in fault and when i find such to be the fact what remains but to become still more wretched for duty parmeno bids me bear with the feelings of a mother then to my wife i am bound by obligations with so much temper did she formerly bear my usage, and on no occasion disclose the many wrongs inflicted on her by me. But Parmeno, something of consequence, I know not what it is, must have happened for this misunderstanding to have arisen between them that has lasted so long. Or else something frivolous, faith, if you would only give words their proper value those which are sometimes the greatest enmities do not argue the greatest injuries for it often happens that in certain circumstances in which another would not even be out of temper for the very same reason a passionate man becomes your greatest enemy what enmities do children entertain among themselves for trifling injuries for what reason why because they have a weak understanding to direct them just so are these women almost like children with their fickle feelings Perhaps a single word has occasioned this enmity between them, master. Go, Parmeno, into the house, and carry word that I have arrived. A noise is heard in the house of Oedipus. <gasps> what means this? Be silent. I perceive a bustling about, and a running to and fro. Parmeno, going to the door. Come, then. I'll approach nearer to the door. He listens. <gasps> Did you hear? Don't be prating. He listens. Oh, Jupiter, I heard a shriek. You yourself are talking while you forbid me. Marina, within the house. Prithee, my child, 
Do be silent. That seems to be the voice of Philomena's mother. I'm undone. Why so? Utterly ruined. For what reason? Parmeno, you are concealing from me some great misfortune to me unknown. Um, they said that your wife, Philomena, was in alarm about something. I know not what. Whether that may be it, perchance, I don't know. I am undone. Why didn't you tell me of this? Because I couldn't tell everything at once. What is the malady? I don't know. What? Has no one brought a physician to see her? I don't know. Why delay going indoors, that I may know as soon as possible for certain what it is? In what condition, Philomena, am I now to find you? But if you are in any peril, beyond a doubt, I will perish with you. Goes into the house of Phidippus. Scene two. Parmeno alone. There is no need for me to follow him into the house at present, for I see that we are all disagreeable to them. Yesterday, no one would give Sostrata admittance. If, perchance, the melody should become worse, which really I could far from wish, for my master's sake especially, they would at once say that Sostrata's servant had been in there. They would invent a story that I had brought some mischief against their lives and persons, in consequence of which the melody had been increased. My mistress would be blamed, and I should incur heavy punishment. Scene 3. Enter Sostrata. Sostrata to herself. In dreadful alarm, I have for some time heard I know not what confusion going on here. I'm sadly afraid Philomena's illness is getting worse. Asclepius, I do entreat thee, and thee, health, that it may not be so. Now I'll go visit her. Approaches the door. Parmeno coming forward. Hark you, Sostrata. Sostrata, turning round. Well, you will again be shut out there. What, Parmeno, is it you? I'm undone. Wretch that I am, what shall I do? Am I not to go see the wife of Pamphilus when she is ill here next door? Not go see her. Don't even send any person for the purpose of seeing her. For I'm of the opinion that he who loves a person to whom he is an object of dislike commits a double mistake. He himself takes a useless trouble and causes annoyance to the other. Besides, your son went in to see how she is as soon as he arrived. What is it you say? Has Pamphilus arrived? He has. I give thanks unto the gods. Well through that news my spirits are revived, and anxiety has departed from my heart. For this reason, then, I am especially unwilling that you should go in there. For if Philomena's malady at all abates, she will, I am sure, when they are by themselves, at once tell him all the circumstances, both what misunderstandings have arisen between you and how the difference first began. But see, he's coming out. How sad he looks. Scene 4. Re-enter Pamphilus, from the house of Phidippus. Sostrata, running up to him. Oh, my son! Embraces him. My mother, blessings on you. I rejoice that you are returned safe. Is Philomena in a fair way? She is a little better. Would that the gods may grant it so. Why then do you weep, or why so dejected? <sighs> All's well, mother. What meant that confusion? Tell me, was she suddenly taken ill? Such was the fact. What is her malady? A fever. An intermitting one? So they say. 
Go in the house, please, mother. I'll follow you immediately. Very well. Goes into her house. Do you run and meet the servants, Parmenel, and help them with the baggage? Why? Don't they know the way themselves to come to our house? Pamphilus, stamping. Do you loiter? Exit Parmeno. Scene 5. Pamphilus, alone. I cannot discover any fitting commencement of my troubles, at which to begin to narrate the things that have so unexpectedly befallen me, some of which with these eyes I have beheld, some I have heard with my ears, and on account of which I so hastily betook myself in extreme agitation out of doors. For just now, when, full of alarm, I rushed into the house, expecting to find my wife afflicted with some other malady than what I have found it to be. Ah, me. Immediately the servant maids beheld that I had arrived. They all at the same moment joyfully exclaimed, He has come, from having so suddenly caught sight of me. But I soon perceived the countenances of all of them change because at so unseasonable a juncture chance had brought me here. One of them in the meantime hastily ran before me to give notice that I had come. Impatient to see my wife, I followed close. When I entered the room, that instant to my sorrow, I found out her malady. For neither did the time afford any interval to enable her to conceal it nor could she complain in any other accents than those which the case itself prompted. When I perceived this, oh, disgraceful conduct, I exclaimed, and instantly hurried away from the spot in tears, overwhelmed by such an incredible and shocking circumstance. Her mother followed me. Just as I got to the threshold, she threw herself on her knees. I felt compassion for her. Assuredly, it is a fact, in my opinion, just as matters befall us all, so are we elated or depressed. At once she began to address me in these words. Oh, my dear Pamphilus, you see the reason why she left your house, for violence was offered to her when formerly a maid by some villain to us unknown. Now she took refuge here, then, that from you and others she might conceal her labour when i call to mind her entreaties i cannot wretched as i am refrain from tears whatever chance or fortune it is said she which has brought you here to-day by it we do both conjure you if with equity and justice we may that her misfortune may be concealed by you and kept a secret from all if ever you were sensible my dear pamphilus that she was tenderly disposed toward you she now asks you to grant her this favour in return without making any difficulty of it but as to taking her back act quite according to your own convenience you alone are aware of her lying in and that the child is none of yours for it is said that it was two months after the marriage before she had commerce with you and then this is but the seventh month since she came to you. That you are sensible of this, the circumstances themselves prove. Now, if it is possible, Pamphilus, I especially wish, and will use my endeavours, that her labour may remain unknown to her father, and to all, in fact. 
but if that cannot be managed and they do find it out i will say that she miscarried i am sure no one will suspect otherwise than what is so likely the child was by you it shall be instantly exposed in that case there is no inconvenience whatever to yourself and you will be concealing an outrage so undeservingly committed upon her poor thing i promised this and i am resolved to keep faith in what i said but as to taking her back really i do not think that would be at all creditable nor will i do so although love for her and habit have a strong influence upon me i weep when it occurs to my mind what must be her life and how great her loneliness in the future o oh, fortune thou hast never been found constant but by this time my former passion has taught me experience in the present case the means by which i got rid of that i must employ on the present occasion parmeno is coming with the servants it is far from convenient that he should be here under present circumstances for he was the only person to whom i trusted the secret that i kept aloof from her when i first married her i am afraid lest if he should frequently hear her cries he might find out that she is in labour he must be dispatched by me somewhere till philomena is delivered scene six enter at a distance parmeno and sosia with people carrying baggage parmeno to sosia do you say that this voyage was disagreeable to you upon my faith parmeno it cannot be so much as expressed in words how disagreeable it is to go on a voyage do you say so oh lucky man you don't know what evils you have escaped by never having been at sea for to say nothing of other hardships mark this one only thirty days or more was i on board that ship and every moment to my horror was in continual expectation of death such unfavourable weather did we always meet with how annoying that's not unknown to me and fine upon my faith i would rather run away than go back if i knew that i should have to go back there why really but slight causes formerly made you sosia do what you are now threatening to do but i see pamphilus himself standing before the door to the attendants who go into the house of lakey's go indoors i'll accost him to see if he wants anything with me accosts pamphilus what still standing here master yes and waiting for you what's the matter you must run across to the citadel who must you <sighs> to the citadel why thither to meet calidemides my entertainer at mykonos who came over in the same ship with me parmeno aside confusion i should say he has made a vow that if he should ever return home safe he would rupture me with walking why are you lingering what do you wish me to say or am i to meet him only no say that i cannot meet him to-day as i appointed so that he may not wait for me to no purpose fly but i don't know the man's appearance then i'll tell you how to know it a huge fellow ruddy with curly hair 
fat, with grey eyes and freckled countenance. May the gods confound him. Um, what if he shouldn't come? Am I to wait there, even till evening? Yes, wait there. Run! I can't. I am so tired. Exit slowly. Scene 7. Pamphilus alone. He's off. What shall I do in this distressed situation? Really, uh, I don't know in what way I'm to conceal this. Miss Marina entreated me, her daughter's lying in. I do pity the woman. What I can, I'll do. Only so long, however, as I observe my duty, for it is proper that I should be regardful of a parent, rather than of my passion. But look, I see Phidipus and my father, and they are coming this way. What to say to them? I am at a loss. Stands apart. Scene 8. Enter, at a distance, Lakes and Phidippus. Did you not say, just now, that she was waiting for my son's return? Just so. They say that he has arrived. Let her return. Pamphilus, apart to himself, aloud. What excuse to make to my father for not taking her back, I don't know. Lakes, turning round. Who was it I heard speaking here? Pamphilus, apart. I am resolved to persevere in the course I determined to pursue. "'Tis the very person about whom I was talking to you. "'Health to you, my father.' "'Health to you, my son.' "'I am glad that you have returned, Pamphilus, "'and the more especially so, as you are safe and well.' "'I believe you.' "'Have you but just arrived?' "'Only just now.' "'Tell me, what has our cousin Fania left us?' "'Why, really, Faith. He was a man very much devoted to pleasure while he lived, and those who are so don't much benefit the heirs, but for themselves leave this commendation. While he lived, he lived well. So then, you have brought home nothing more than a single sentiment? Whatever he has left, we are the gainers by it. Why, no, it has proved a loss, for I could have wished him alive and well. You may wish that with impunity. He'll never come to life again. And after all, I know which of the two you would prefer. Yesterday, he, pointing to Phidippus, desired Philomena to be fetched to his house. Whispers to Phidippus, nudging him with his elbow. Say that you desired it. Phidippus, aside to Lakey's. Don't punch me so. To Pamphilus. I desired it. But he'll now send her home again. Of course. I know this whole affair and how it happened. I heard it just now, on my arrival. Then may the gods confound those spiteful people who told this news with such readiness. Pamphilus to Phidippus. I'm sure that it has been my study that with reason no slight might possibly be committed by your family. And if I were now truthful to mention of how faithful, loving, and tender a disposition I have proved toward her, I could do so truly, did I not rather wish that you should learn it of herself. For by that method you will be the more ready to place confidence in my disposition when she, who is now acting unjustly toward me, speaks favorably of me. 
and that through no fault of mine this separation has taken place, I call the guards to witness. But since she considers that it is not befitting her to give way to my mother, and with readiness to conform to her temper, and as on no other terms it is possible for good feeling to exist between them, either my mother must be separated, Vidipus, from me, or else Philomena. Now affection urges me rather to consult my mother's pleasure. Pamphilus, your words have reached my ears not otherwise than to my satisfaction, since I find that you postpone all considerations for your parent. But take care, Pamphilus, lest, impelled by resentment, you carry matters too far. How, impelled by resentment, could I now be biased against her who never has been guilty of anything toward me, father, that I could not wish, and who has often deserved as well as I could desire? I both love and praise and exceedingly regret her, for I have found by experience that she was of a wondrously engaging disposition with regard to myself, and I sincerely wish that she may spend the remainder of her life with a husband who may prove more fortunate than me since necessity thus tears her from me. "'Tis in your own power to prevent that. If you are in your senses, order her to come back. It is not my intention, father. I shall study my mother's interests. Going away. Whither are you going? Stay, stay, I tell you. Whither are you going? Exit, Pamphilus. Scene 9. Lachies and Phidippus. What obstinacy is this? Did I not tell you, Phidippus, that he would take this matter amiss? It was for that reason I entreated you to send your daughter back. Upon my faith, I did not believe he would be so brutish. Does he now fancy that I shall come begging to him? If so it is that he chooses to take back his wife, why let him if he is of another mind let him pay back her portion and take himself off just look at that now you too are getting obstinate and huffish phidippus speaking with anger you have returned to us in a very ungovernable mood pamphilus this anger will depart though he has some reason for being vexed. Because you have had a windfall, a little money, your minds are elevated. Are you going to fall out with me too? Let him consider and bring me word today whether he will or will not that she may belong to another if she does not to him. Goes hastily into his own house. Phidippus, stay. Listen to a few words. Scene 10. Lakey's alone. He's off. What matters it to me? In fine, let them manage it between themselves, just as they please. Since neither my son nor he pay any regard to me, they care but little for what I say. I'll carry the quarrel to my wife, by whose planning all these things have been brought about, and against her I will vent all the vexation that I feel. 
End of Act 3